2: Welcome to the Tudor Dixon podcast. We've all heard about folks who have been vaccine injured from the COVID-19 vaccine, but the thing is that we hear it in whispers, and if it gets too loud, it gets censored. Today, we're done with the censors, and we're going to speak with a man who lost his son and a doctor who can no longer practice due to his vaccine injury. Before we deep dive into the COVID vax, I want to talk to you a little bit about your health because you can't put a price on your health. I stay energized and keep doing what I love every day because I get the maximum servings and nutrition of fruits and vegetables. I rely on Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule to give me the maximum nutrition of 31 real whole fruits and veggies every day. Balance of Nature is giving all of our listeners 35% off any first preferred order, plus free shipping with promo code TUTOR. You just have to go to balanceofnature.com and enter that promo code TUTOR to get started today. Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule are powdered after an advanced vacuum cold process, keeping the maximum nutrition intact. Put your health first the easy way with Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule. Get 35% off that first preferred order shipped free to you with promo code TUTOR at balanceofnature.com. I feel confident about my health because of Balance of Nature. You need to check out all the testimonials from people just like you on their website and see how Balance of Nature is making a difference in their lives. Go now to balanceofnature.com and get 35% off your first preferred order shipped free with promo code TUTOR. Now, I am so pleased to welcome two, I would say, warriors out there who have been fighting to get the word out about what is going on with some folks who are getting the COVID-19 vaccine and tell the truth that we're really not, we haven't been allowed to hear, they've been trying to censor, but we're done with that today. So I want to welcome Joel Walskog and Ernest Ramirez to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming today.
0: Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Ma'am.
2: Absolutely. Joel, I want to start with you. You are an orthopedic surgeon from Milwaukee. You got the COVID vaccine. And, you know, first I want to say, we have heard so many people come to us and say, I got the vaccine. I mean, I've even seen Megan Megyn Kelly come out and talk about getting the vaccine and then having an autoimmune disorder just afterward and saying, there's no way that this just suddenly happened to me. And I think everybody has somebody who has either been injured or at least had side effects that were very severe for a long time. But we're talking about way beyond this. Ernest lost his son, you Ended up losing your practice. Really, tell us, t- walk us a little bit down through your journey, Joel.
0: Well, my journey really started with me getting my one and only Moderna injection on December thirtieth of two thousand twenty. Before that, anybody that knows me I had a very, very busy practice. I love my job, very active. Really, had no significant medical problems whatsoever. On December thirtieth, I get my shot. It was very uneventful. And then about five to seven days afterwards, I remember waking up from bed and telling my wife, my feet were numb. And it was definitely more than, it was like electrical shocks or sensations in my legs. I did what I always do, which is just keep working and and just not to try to figure out, okay, I don't know what it is, but it'll get better. But it was within several days after that, that I was at work talking to a patient, sitting down next to an exam table, but speaking to them, them in a chair and me in a chair also. And I tried to get up. I pushed myself up and then I fell back and I fell down. And I realized, uh, you know, clearly my legs just didn't work at that point. And it was at that point I knew that there was something more serious going on. And then within several days, I got MRIs of my brain and spinal cord. And, and pretty quickly, I got diagnosed with transverse myelitis. So,
2: this is, I John, have never even heard of this. I, I was reading your story and I'm like, I don't, I, I hope he's going to say these words because I don't even know how to pronounce them. What is that?
0: So, transverse myelitis is, a, is an injury to either your brain or spinal cord. And what happens is your own immune system chooses to kind of attack your, your nerves or your neurons. Mm-hmm. So I have a demyelinated lesion at the thoracic level at about T8 or T9. So the myelin is the protective sheath that's around your brain and spinal cord. And and it the myelin helps kind of your nerves to conduct electrical impulses correctly. And basically for me, what happened was my own immune system chose to attack my neurons around so my- So this is like an
2: autoimmune board. as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, most likely this was an autoimmune issue. And again, my symptoms started about five to seven days after the shot. Uh, that's transverse myelitis. Now, a lot of people know and have heard about Guillain-Barre. Guillain-Barre is really mm-hmm. the same disorder, but it deals with peripheral nerves. So transverse myelitis is kind of often autoimmune attack on your brain or spinal cord. Guillain-Barre syndrome is really more of a, a, an attack on your peripheral nerve. So they're, they're very much similar. Since that time, I've also developed dysautonomia. So this, uh, your, auto, uh, your autonomic nervous system is that part of your nervous system that controls involuntary functions like blood pressure, heart rate, digestion, etc. So for me, the other thing I've had ever since the shot within about a week after is it's just wide fluctuations of my heart rate and blood pressure and and unfortunately, what happens sometimes, too, is I just pass out. So I have these what we call sinkable episodes just sitting down, and I pass out. So unfortunately, I'm not even driving anymore, which kind of stinks, but it is what it is.
2: And and this all happened when you were 50 years old. I mean, this is not, you're I, like in the I middle was, of life.
0: <laughs> I'm a big water skier. I'm a big water sports guy. I wake surf. I mean, I did all that stuff uh, until, you know, until really... December of 2020. So and I have four kids. We're, we're a very, very active family, uh, but things are quite a bit different now.
2: Wow. Well, Ernest, I want to get to you because I, I read your story early on, and I, I just, I want to say I'm so sorry. I, I can't even imagine what this feels like, but I think people need to hear your story because I think people need to know that this vaccine was pushed on children and your son was healthy before he received this vaccine. Is that correct?
3: Yes, ma'am. He was very healthy. He was, he dedicated to sport. He loved baseball. And when he wasn't playing baseball, he was playing basketball here in the neighborhood with with his friends, so I mean, he would even during COVID, we were locked down, he'd run two laps in our subdivision just to keep in shape, hmm. to, to, to keep you know in shape with the sport he loved the most. So he, he never had any issues all these years, uh, other than sniffles once in a while as a normal kid, but he never had to be you know, I've never had to take him to the doctor so.
2: So you were pretty actively talking about this after it happened. And this was your son got the shot. And then it was just days after that, that he collapsed. Is that correct?
3: Yes, ma'am. It's five days afterwards. And when this happened, I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I had never heard nothing. I haven't heard anything about any side effects, any issues. And so naturally I thought, you know, how could this be? You know, I didn't. I didn't even connect it with the vaccine. You know, mm. it th- I wasn't expecting it to be that vaccine that affected my son. Uh, not until I met. You know, something told me to go to DC, and Senator Ron Johnson reached out to me. To he wanted to talk to me, and that's where I met Brian uh Doctor Joe Walscog. I realized this wasn't just me, and my son. Hmm. If it. it, it, it Affected people from all over the world, and so that's very upsetting because you know our own system that was supposedly put in place to care for our people haven't they haven't done anything? I mean, all they have been doing is injuring and killing people, and they're not trying to resolve the issue, not trying to help the injured. So it's you know like i said it's really upsetting to me i'm getting tired they need you know they need to stand up uh, uh, you know my friend have you
2: heard anything from the pharmaceutical companies
3: oh no i've uh, emailed pfizer i've commented on a lot of posts where they uh, ask people to get vaccinated for their for themselves and their family they won't reply to me i have uh, You know, I've reached out to Biden also, emailed him several times, hoping, you know, to upset him, you know, so they can respond to me. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I've reached out to my own governor, uh, Abbott, with no response. And uh, Mm. like I said, you know, these people don't scare me. They no longer scare me.
2: Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. What do you You think about the Attorney General suing Pfizer? Have you heard about that lawsuit?
3: Yes, uh, and I'm trying to figure out why now when Mm. we've been trying to get in contact with anyone to try to, you know, not to profit, but to help. And now all of a sudden they want want to do it three years later? You know, that's I don't know, what are they going to benefit? Are they going to benefit out of it? Or are Mm. we as a group going to benefit? that's my question right there. I mean, if they win, I can t- hear, I can see them patting each other on the back, you know, all excited. But what about the rest of us? That have well, that's,
2: been... that's a good question. And we asked that to attorney general Ken Paxton. I said, if you, if you win this lawsuit, does that mean that the money goes to these families who have been injured or lost their loved ones? And he said, you know, if I win the lawsuit, that goes to the legislature. So I, you know, that's interesting how, those things work with government, and when then the legislature decides, well, I certainly hope that the legislature is going to meet with you folks. Have you heard from anyone from the Texas legislature?
0: Oh, no, ma'am. Hmm. We haven't. Uh, I have some contacts that we're trying to work with to contact Attorney General Paxson, but, you know, Tudor, we have our own lawsuit that we filed in federal court uh, back in October uh, in federal court in downtown Louisiana. That is against HHS and HRSA, so the Health and Human Services, about the compensation program that is intended to help those injured by the countermeasures, in this case, the COVID 19 vaccine, has been a dismal failure. So it has a 97% failure rate, I'm sorry, denial rate. And to date, the CICP, which is a countermeasures injury compensation program, is only paid out eight individuals, eight Americans for their COVID vaccine injuries for a total of $30,000. So the PrEP Act immunity, you know, the PrEP Act is that act that gives pharma immunity from prosecution. So I understand the theory behind the PrEP Act, but the balance there is supposed to be that if you do get injured by a countermeasure, remember early on, I mean, These, the COVID shots were not vaccines. They were called countermeasures administered through the Department of Defense. So um, we filed a lawsuit in October through Aaron series group, Uh, it was React 19, as well as several other injured people from the Southeast, basically for the violation of our fifth and seventh amendment rights. So it prevented us from due process and a jury trial. So that lawsuit also directly challenges the PREP Act. Uh, i applaud you know the attorney general of texas you know for pushing the envelope uh we also have another lawsuit we're involved in uh you know Brianne dresson who's my co-chair has never sued anyone in her life if you look up a censorship lawsuit she has it's Brianne dresson at all versus joe biden at all hmm. and all of your listeners should know that all the censorship that's that at the beginning of the pandemic which which is where the communications went out to the social media groups that said, Don't publish even true stories of vaccine injury so as not to go against the current narrative. All came directly from the uh, from the white House
2: well, and, so, and i want to I want to get to that. Don't let me skip over that because i th- I think that's incredibly important. I want to get to that, but let's let me unpack the prep act a little bit for a second for people listening. The prep act is decades old this is not something that was new for covid i think some people think oh this was in, in place for covid this was kind of resurrected or they they said okay we're going to put this under the prep the prep act so that these companies can create this quickly and we can get it on the market and I think that it was very short-sighted because nobody really understood what, what it was going to take to create this that they called a vaccine. But as you you mentioned, it's a countermeasure. And, and a vaccine, we know very clearly that a vaccine protects you from something, but this does not. And so the interesting take on the Texas lawsuit, and, and I think that people need to understand the PrEP Act is federal. And so that's why we as a country as a whole cannot go after the pharmaceutical companies for vaccine injuries because they are protected federally. But state by state, um, Attorney General Ken Paxton, he is suing because he's saying that they misrepresented what they had. They're saying that it was 95% effective and it really had no efficacy whatsoever because you could get the vaccine and you could get COVID a few days later and you could get the vaccine or your, your friend could be near you and, and have the vaccine and they could get, it didn't stop the spread of COVID. So even if you had the vaccine and had COVID, you could give it to somebody with the vaccine. I mean, it was just all a lie. And so that, I mean, certainly that's not the reason that you want to go after them. You want to go after them because you were injured and they are protected from that. That's the crazy thing about the PrEP Act. They are protected from the two of you. And that's why this You know, they have to juggle this and say, okay, we can sue them on this lie that this was effective. To me, it's just a terrible shame that you can't you can't do anything to sue for what happened to you. And I love that that your lawsuit is addressing that and saying, well, wait a minute, why should they be protected by this federal law? Now, Ernest, I want to get to you because you we, we talked about the censorship and you were censored. You came out and said, hey, I want to spread the word about this. I want to let people know. And I think it's so key. You know, we had some young people in our area who died of heart conditions, died of blood clots, 15-year-old, 17-year-old. These are things that we had never seen before. And I just want to be clear, so much so that one of these young people was sent from hospital to hospital and they didn't know what the problem was because it was so unusual to see this kind of blood clot in a teenager. I don't know that that was the vaccine. I, I don't know that. But I have to say all of these things that are we're seeing come together. Like the Damar Hamlins of the world and all of these things that just seem to all be happening at the same time. I just find it hard to believe that there is not a common denominator here. And Ernest, you were censored for saying that.
3: Well, see, the thing is, I've never told anyone not to take it or to take Mm. it. I've tried to make people see what happened to us, what happened to me and my son just to give them some information. And that's why they kept censoring me for whatever reason. And the thing is, that's kind of funny how so many people have just been dropping a dead suddenly hmm. since all this began, since they pushed out that jab. Now, oh, now they're trying to make it normal, and which is, we all know it's not. Or like, uh, then, then it, it even has me thinking about SIDS back in the day sudden de- uh sudden infant uh death
2: right hmm.
3: well, that's the same thing now all of a sudden we have sads, and it's all due because of this rollout so that's they're um, this is just telling me that they've been testing all kinds of stuff on all our the all our people, and if it's something like what we're going to do now, now they're going to put another little tag on it and make do you know cut,
2: by chance uh, what the percentage of children who have who ended up dying from SIDS compared to SADS. I just am curious as a vaccine rolls out are those numbers are those percentages similar at all?
3: I, I don't know. Uh, Joe might know more than I do on that portion of it, but I'm pretty sure it's a lot higher now.
0: Hmm. To it, right? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, part of the problem is we haven't been getting true and transparent data you know right. from the pharmaceutical companies and, and and we never really know the denominator uh and that's why people ask me all the time what is the true instance of adverse events after the shots the answer is i don't know and it's not because i don't want to know it's because we're not given the true and transparent data who owns the data? Everyone thinks it's the FDA or CDC or the government. No, pharmacy owns their clinical mm-hmm. trial data. So it's only through Aaron Siri, for example, that, you know, took you know sued them through a FOIA request that we even got some of the data, uh, like the Pfizer data, which is frankly pretty alarming. Remember early on, they wanted to have 75 years to release the data.
2: Well, so that's why data, I think that you need you, we need to figure out how to connect you with Attorney General Ken Paxton because that was one of the things that he said last week when we talked to him. He said, what I hope from this or what I know from this is that because we're suing them for this, they will have to give us their data and then we can flip through and find out what the truth is. And so this is a way to break that free. And that was even, we had a researcher from the University of Wisconsin actually on the podcast a few months back And he said, I have always been able to get every piece of data from these pharmaceutical companies on anything, any drug that they have out there. And he said, this is totally closed down. I can't see Moderna. I can't see Pfizer. I can't see any of these companies because they have all of their data locked down. And it's unheard of to have this data locked down. And so the question that I think we all pose when we see that is, what are you hiding? Why?
0: Right. I mean, the scientific process involves true and transparent data and allows people the opportunity to evaluate other people's data and their research. That's why I always say, you know, in React 19, we're a, we're a science based advocacy organization for those Americans injured by the shots. We talk, we talk data. We talk, talk science, but what we're up against is censorship, deception, and frankly, lies goes against the narrative that the vaccines are, you know, the answer and the way out is censored. Um, and, and frankly, you know, I, I just had to mention something about Travis Kelsey. So, you know, you saw, I watched uh, Sunday Mm -hmm. night football last night. You have Travis Kelsey, who is a well-known, respected, uh, you know, football player who people and young men respect telling them to go out and get two shots, you know, get your flu shot and get your COVID shot. That's just evil.
2: That's well just... it's that's an interesting statement because you know my girls we're not a huge football house. I mean we have four daughters and that's just not their jam, right? But they know Travis Kelsey because of oh, there we are Swifties in our house. <laughs> we have four Swifties and so they they know this and that's I think that those folks have so much influence and so in other countries they are not allowed to have they're not allowed to advertise pharmaceuticals and certainly not allowed to have role models. And I say role models because if you play a sport like that, people look up to you. If you have a talent that other people don't have, you are a role model to those people. Same with if you are able to sing like Taylor Swift, you are a role model. And other countries say, no, we're not going to allow role models or pharmaceutical companies to advertise, certainly not to children. How did we get here in the United States?
0: Well, Tudor, the the pharma money, you know, is is all over the place. It's ubiquitous. I mean, that pharma money has captured politics, particularly at the federal level. It captures our scientific journals. It captures our media, uh, and it's all over the place. And and that pharma money brings a, a significant amount of control. Now, I'm a little bit older than you, quite a bit. So, but I remember back I when I was a kid. I wish that were so
2: true, but you're not that much older. Okay. Thank you for but, saying that, though.
0: But when I was a kid. <laughs> but when I was a kid. Guess what? There were cigarette commercials everywhere.
2: Yes, um, of, of course, with the camel. And you were like, oh, he's so cool. <laughs> and Joe right. Cool. They,
0: they got rid of that, right? And the
2: Marlboro man.
0: Right. So if you listen to, you know, RFK Jr., for example, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he is one proponent that would eliminate direct consumer pharmaceutical ma- uh, marketing. And that is,
2: but so how do you do that? Do you, do you have to, and because I really think that the audience needs to hear this because we've talked about this a couple of times that this is abnormal. Does it have to be a bill? Does it, do you have to lobby for that? Is this something that you can do with a lawsuit? What is the, the way that you stop this insanity of a massive amount of money going? Because you can, you can, advertise drugs that people then i mean think about if you see a drug people go oh gosh i must need that right it's it's coming from a trusted source mm-hmm. I,
0: I agree with you totally i think it's certainly complicated but i think the direct-to-consumer pharmaceutical marketing is one element that needs to be addressed probably through the federal level uh and and again how how do you control that locally well it's probably through federal funding I mean, just think about how many states years ago had an 18 year old, uh, drinking age. And how did they get everyone forced to go up to 21 by controlling funding? And mm-hmm. I think that may be the element to try to stop the direct to consumer pharmaceutical monitoring, which is, which is horrible. And people like Travis Kelsey should be embarrassed, um, because telling direct young men, which is what he's doing to go get vaccinated with your flu shot, which they don't need that anyway. Um, causing them like Ernest I mean losing his son uh, you know Ernest doesn't want to you know isn't doing this for himself I'm not doing this for myself I and mean, we're doing this of for course. all these other people that have been injured that need help and support but we also want to stop further injury again the term safe and effective just disgusts me because it it it, it is an overly simplistic anti-science marketing campaign
2: so We, I mean, obviously, we know that there were massive pressures. Whether it was your job or whether it was your school or just what we saw on TV, there was a massive amount of pressure. It wasn't even pressure. I got it. I mean, it was so much more than pressure. What about getting the vaccine? It was like you were a part of a dark, disgusting society if you were not going to get the vaccine. You were shamed. You were bullied. It was a. It was unlike anything we'd ever seen in the United States. I mean, and. It was so dystopian. You have to go in and you have to show your papers to get anywhere. I mean, it was was just shocking to see that happen in the United States. And Ernest, I know you said you got it because you thought it was the right thing to do. But afterward, you said it was like playing Russian roulette. What do you think about the way this was rolled out? And young men in particular, Ernest, because now we know that folks have come out and said, well. Maybe this wasn't the safest for young men. And even if that's not happening in the United States, over in Europe, they said, we're going to stop giving this to kids and young men are not going to get this because we don't feel like it's the right thing to do. What do you say to Americans who are still saying every young man has to go out and get the vaccine?
3: The thing is, if they, they're they opening up their eyes overseas,
1: hmm.
3: why don't they see that here? The, we need to get it out there where people can see the evidence so they can actually understand that there is side effects. I mean, a lot of people tell me, well, I got it, Not, nothing happened to me. Hmm. Not everyone got the actual mRNA. Some people got, you know, you can't contaminate the whole uh, population because nobody, if it affects everyone, nobody's going to get it. You know oh no this happened to so-and-so and i'm not gonna get it then so they mixed it they didn't give it to just everyone that's why i'm like like i said it's russian roulette let's see if i don't get die from this or let's see if i don't get affected by this i mean it's just it's an ongoing nightmare i'm sorry but that's what it is well
2: and- that's why i asked about the SIDS versus SADS situation too, because obviously every kid is getting those vaccines, but it's a certain effect, a certain amount that affect different, or if that's what happens, but it's a certain amount that are ending up dying of SIDS. And is that, is that a similar ratio for adults to children? I mean, it would just, it's just curious to me, but like you said, this is being pushed on people still today. And we still don't have the data. I think that's the most concerning part. We just don't know. We don't know. But I know yeah. that people have come out and said, oh, this is absolutely not. Did your son have any heart issues before this happened? No, ma'am.
3: No, ma'am. I mean, like I said, he was, he loved running, exercising. I mean, he, he put me to shame because he never got tired. I'll try to settle him down, calm him down. He wanted to keep on going. He wanted more, and uh, like I said, he his plans were to join the air force, and that's why I get I get upset. I said he wanted to fight for his country, the same one that turned their back on him. So I don't appreciate that at all. Uh, what I do appreciate is people I meet along the way. They'll come up and they'll show me their ch- uh, children. And they'll t- boast about it. They tell me, my child has not received not one vaccination mm. since we heard your story. So with that makes me feel good. Unfortunately, um, it had to be. I mean, it's a so true. Loss. So
2: many of us are like, I can't tell you how grateful we are that you're sharing this because I'm in the same boat. I have four daughters. And as soon as I started to hear these stories, I was like, got to protect them. I've got to keep them away from this. And I think there are still people out there that think, you know, you're crazy if you feel like you can't do this. But guess what? My kids have gotten sick and they've tested positive for COVID and nothing happened to them. Nothing happened to them. So why was I told that my kids would not get through this? And the crazy part about the thing that makes me the most mad is that. This is not like we saw it hitting America for the first time. It had already been in China for months, for months. So we already knew that kids were not dying from COVID. The kids were not the the big movers of COVID. They weren't sharing COVID. It wasn't spreading through children. Most kids weren't getting it, or if they were, they were not getting severe infections. So why the push on kids? And still to this day I feel like we have not received an answer on that. Why the push for kids? And I got to tell you that I've had I have people in my office that after they got the vaccine, they had terrible side effects. I got the vaccine. I had side effects that were unusual side effects that I could not have predicted having. And you just you I think that those of us who had it honestly are like what is what is the long-term effect of this? What is inside of me? And how? what else will it do?
3: You said it right there. Why so much uh, attack on our children? The thing is, they're trying to control it. I mean, we can go down different paths on this subject right there and uh, because it all has to turn on the children. They're uh, injuring and killing our kids. And those that aren't affected, they're putting it in their minds to get, uh these animal you know cutting their self up to pieces so which they won't be able to uh have children in when they grow older Hmm. they're just attacking their children in any way they can possible so and all this transgender stuff that's what i'm saying It, it all has to do with the children now like i said we can go down different paths on this but uh that's what it is. They're going to affect our kids one way or another.
2: Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. We can go down a real rabbit hole of why. Why is this stuff and this stuff that is coming after our kids like you just talked about, the transgender stuff, a lot of that is coming through these social media platforms that you were censored on you were censored on, but they can go after our kids and push these radical agendas on our kids. and Nobody says anything. That's loving. That's caring. Yes, and that's most of that is coming from the world's best propagandists, which is China, who are coming to destabilize the country. And I know this sounds like this is a lot, but really, this is all connected. And, mm-hmm. and we have no defense if we can't speak out. But you guys are speaking out. And, and Joel, I just want to give you a little a moment to talk about React 19. So people know that it's out there because I think so many people are lost. So many people who have been injured like you or lost someone like Ernest are like, where do we go? So can you tell us a little bit about React 19 so people know there's a place, there's a home?
0: Well, and thank you, Tudor. I I just want to say that, you know, React 19 is, I think, the world's largest advocacy organization for those injured by the COVID shots. We're certainly the largest in in the United States, but I think in the world. We started this organization with 10 people in November of 2021, and now we represent over 36,000 Americans injured by the COVID shots. Wow. We are not here just to tell our sad stories. We occasionally do, primarily to try to fundraise for the injured people, but we're really trying to take our negative reactions and turn it into positive actions. Our mission is threefold, is to support the injured physically, financially, and emotionally. Financially, we've given out over three quarters of a million dollars to injured Americans for uncovered medical expenses. Compare that to $30,000 that our U.S. government has paid out through the CICP program, which I referred to before. I wish we could give out more, but again, every dollar that comes into that program, every, it goes right out. So um, physically, we've created care networks. So we can't find providers that listen to us, believe us, and have any idea what to do. So we've created provider networks across the country, medical providers, uh, mental health providers, and now we're creating a spiritual network to help these people and give them support. We also do re- research. We have uh, We have an ongoing research program right now. If anyone's interested that's injured by the COVID shots, they can take a look. It's on our website. And then we have emotional support. We have well over 36,000 people housed in social media-based support groups. We also have an advocacy program that assigns a nurse or social worker to an injured American that needs really more one-on-one help. Those are the ones that are really marginalized before the injury. And What I've seen Twitter is that anyone that's marginalized before their injury You know, they have a hard time paying their bills. They have a job they don't like. They have relationships that aren't great. Their their shot injury is exponentially more disabling. And now Mm -hmm. the other thing we're doing, too, is we have a lot of litigation going on. Uh, We're involved in uh, D.C. a lot with uh, compensation reform. Uh, With regard, there's two house bills right now that uh, are working on trying to move towards compensation reform. And then the other thing that I'm really excited about is we're going to try to open the first ever clinic uh to focus on COVID shot injury but also to include long COVID. It's going to be a multi-specialty clinic we hope to be open in the first quarter of uh 2024 and that'll be down here in Texas. And why are we doing it? Number one, uh we have the injured really have an unmet need. Their care is is horrible. And the other thing is, we're going to prove that our care is so bad, we're going to do it ourselves. So uh, we there's a group of us within React 19 that are partnering with a bunch of national health care providers that we trust, that are nationally recognized experts. And we're going to try to create what we call the moving post or gold standard of care for complex chronic illnesses like long oh, COVID wow. and COVID shot injury. So my hope is that's not a one-off. My hope is that we re- if we can get this model down, it's a nonprofit, multi-specialty clinic. We're going to repeat it in Florida or Southeast, I would say Northeast, Midwest, West, but not as far as California.
2: Well, that sounds amazing. Before, we, uh, before I let you go, I think that, Ernest, your story is so important for people to hear and I want people to connect with your son. So tell us a couple of stories about who he was.
3: He was, he was love, a loving child. I swear, a- anyone that met him loved him dearly. He, like I said, I couldn't have asked for a better son. He, he was a blessing to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He, uh, like I said, we, we got into baseball since he was small, and we lived for baseball. He, you know, training, games. It was just something, a father-son and son deal that, like, I had never had before in my life. And I, it was so great to have something to share with my son. Mm. And also, he loved hunting, fishing, camping. I mean, we did so many things together. That's why I always said he was my best friend, you know, because he was always there. You know, he was... It was always what are we, what are we going to do? what do we want to do, and come on Dad? you know it was it was it was wonderful i mean i I, I miss that every day hmm. uh,
2: he uh, he is i I mean the beautiful thing is that he couldn't have been the boy that he was without having an amazing dad, and the impact that he had on you as a father is why you're fighting so hard for other parents today, and I just gotta tell you. We are so thankful for you and for your son.
3: Thank you, Mom. Appreciate that.
2: Hmm. Thank you both, Joel Walskog and Ernest Ramirez. Thank you so much for being here. Everybody, buddy, check out React 19. Give us the, the website that they can go to.
0: So it's www.
2: Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Twitter. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast for this episode and others go to com. you can subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast have a blessed day
1: tired of restless nights at Lisa we know good sleep is essential for mental physical and emotional health
2: Generator now you'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to four patriots.com slash tutor.